0: Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Father, we just thank you for our time together this morning. Lord, we just thank you the way you so faithfully just present yourself with us as we worship you. Lord, our heart is to bless you, and as a family, as we come together, Lord, we want to just be awakened more and more to how you would have us live our lives. So this morning, Lord, we just invite you afresh to have your way. Lord, we just lay aside every distraction, every frustration and disappointment, and we look to you, to what you've got to say this morning. Lord, that we can allow your word to bring transformation and freedom to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, um, when Paul asked me if I'd like to preach, um, there was like, there's been a lot of stuff rumbling around in my heart lately and it's been such a time of transition, not just moving from the west into this region, but just even within my own life. But I've been sensing that it's not just in me. There's something in the air with this whole new era that we have entered into and, and the Lord has just really triggered some thoughts that I just want to share with you this morning. So where to from here is the question. Where to from here? We're all on a journey, the journey of life. And um, I don't know about you, but I've found times on my journey where somebody's hijacked the bus... <laughs> you know, and um, I'm heading down some path that I was never meant to be on, but Holy Spirit is the perfect tour guide, and um, part of my experience with the moving to the new area and coming from a town of like 9,000 people in the town, or even just around the town, to being confronted with Newcastle, you get out of practice at, at the traffic and all of that, and I've used a certain amount of technology over the years but i would never used Google Maps. And, and my old TomTom, my old navigation device is that old that you can't update it anymore. So you can really get lost <laughs> relying on the old mode of directions. That's where we're at. We're in a season where the old tom-tom doesn't work anymore. There is no more upgrades and we've got to lay it to the side. The word of God is living and active and it never changes and it's always relative to the day that we're in. But the old structures and the old ways that we've gone about living our Christian life has been shaken to the core and although it can be painful because we like the familiar... There's an adventure that the Lord is inviting us on and I just want to say, come on guys, let's get onto the right bus and just allow the tour guide to take us on a journey. We don't need Google Maps anymore. Interestingly, even with Google Maps and and all of that wonderful technology, there's been a couple of times when I've been taken all around the world for sixpence to get from A to B around Newcastle and it's been awful because it's taken me into more traffic You know, and and it's one of those things when, when when we focus our dependence on the reliance of humanity, even if they're really good people and they love us really well, there's times when their understanding reaches its limits and they're not the help that they think they are. But it brings us back to this, and it brings us back to God's due order. So we're all on a journey, and I'm sure if we're all honest with ourselves, there's been times when we've been a little bit distracted in that journey. And we've—I've um, got this friend who, whenever we used to go to place, and I'm—I'm I'm shocking. I, I'm one of these that, if I need to get to this place, then it's all about getting there. I don't want the side roads. I don't want the lovely scenery. I just need to get to where I'm going. And this friend is the total opposite. And we've been friends for nearly 40 years now. So it can work to have friendships that are so contrary in some areas. And um, she just wants to make an adventure out of today's journey. And it's like, Lord, help me, Jesus. We just need to get there, you know. And... So she had this thing, when my kids were little and we were all in her, she had one of those, you know, vans with seven seats back in the day, like, wasn't a Mitsubishi L300, but that sort of thing. And um, she'd go, Let, let's go left, you know. So we're heading from Sydney to Mudgy, and we turn left and we're going through these back roads around Lura and it's like, I just need to get to Mudgy, you know. It's like, just need to get to Mudgie, Hands up who gets a bit frustrated when they feel like where I'm at, nothing's happening, and I just want to move forward, like let's get this show on the road, you know. It can be hard. So supposing we had this opportunity to establish the trip of our dreams that in twelve months' time we were going to be able to take the trip of our lifetime. Everything was going to be organised for us, not organised, everything was going to be provided for us on the trip, but we needed to get ourselves set up for the trip. So, first thing we need is a passport. You've got to go to the post office, get the form, fill it out, get the photos done, send it down to Canberra, wait for it to come back. You've got a process to go through just for that one issue that you need. Then you need to think about where you're going, what you need to wear there. If you were going to the Antarctic, you wouldn't be wearing your summer dress girls, would you? So there would be clothes that would need to be got, so that leads us to, okay, so I need to restructure my finances because I'm paying my bills really well now, but that stuff's expensive and that's going to inter- interfere with my finances. So all of a sudden, because I'm desperate for this trip, I'm finding that the this thing's no, not as important as it used to be, and this thing isn't as important as it used to be. And all of a sudden, I'm finding myself changing my priorities because I've got a fresh budget, I've got a new plan and I'm focused. I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there because this is the one time in my life, the lifetime opportunity. It's not going to happen again. So I'm going to refocus. So here we are on our journey of life. And we've had everything come against us from the world to try and distract us and stop us from two things. One, staying on track and two, discovering who we are. For a simple thing, well, it's not that simple, I guess, but just for a thing like a holiday, we can re- reshuffle our priorities and really make sacrifices, reprioritise our life because that's our focus. And then there's our life in the kingdom of God. The guys in Wellington that are going to listen to this, they're going to laugh because it's going to come already and it wasn't in my notes anywhere. But Galatians 2.20 says, It's no longer I that lives but Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave his life for me. So he died for me and now I live for him. That's a new priority. And there's a price and there's consequences. But it starts with a passion, the passion that I had for the holiday. How exciting is this? You won't believe where I'm going. This is what's going to happen when I'm on this trip. That's our walk, our day-to-day walk, and yet we allow the world to pull it down to some boring religious framework that stops us from having fun or whatever. They've got this concept out there that you can't be a born-again believer, and really have a life. And it's like, it's the total opposite to that. Our life is the potential of being the greatest, most fulfilling, most satisfying and exciting thing ever. What do we do about it? We look at our heart, and we come back to the fact that if I can reprioritize my life for a holiday, even if it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity holiday... I can reprioritize my life for him, the one who gave his all. The father gave the son, the son gave the, his life, and the son also gave his very breath away that Holy Spirit would come and reside within our lives so that we've got everything we need to walk in victory and fulfil the call and destiny that's on each of our lives. How amazing is that? That's exciting, guys. Some people have accused me of being too intense and passionate and I thought, wow, okay, so you're probably right, you know, but guess what, you know, I've had those rocky times. I've had those places of brokenness where I've just wanted to die. I've had those hard experiences in life, some of which most people never experience, But out of it all, I've seen the presence of God and his faithfulness to me in the midst of it all and how he's pulled me through every time and every bad experience I've had in life, I've had an opportunity to share that with somebody who's struggling and bring them the hope and freedom that only comes through knowing God and living according to not the book but the living word of God. It's real and it's alive. So bring it back to three things, passion, purpose and vision. Passion carries a willingness to sacrifice, to prioritise and to keep the desire central. He is the centre of our world. He is not an attachment like a handbag on the rest of all the busy stuff. When he is the priority, our marriage is healthy, our family is healthy, our finances are looked after. Our health is looked after. Everything is looked after in him. And, yes, we've all had our areas of struggle in all of those areas probably, some more than others. But the reality is God pulls us through it all. And there's always the testimony and there's always the opportunity to bring life to somebody else, purpose, value, identity. We're not who the world says we are. We're who the Father says we are. And that's always much bigger than we ever dreamed. If you had have known me 40 years ago, you never would have believed I would have got in front of a microphone. There's no way it would have happened. I was not able to do it. I wasn't able to share my heart with a group of people because I had such an overwhelming fear of man that I couldn't speak in public it was, like, it was a huge thing, and we're not going to go too far down that road because I'm not turning left <laughs> on this journey this morning. It's like, you know, we, we've just got to be aware of what we're on the planet for a purpose. We're saved for a purpose, and it's never about us. We know where we're going. We're going to heaven. But like I wasn't, and like I still have the tendency to be, unfortunately... The Lord wants us to enjoy the journey, look at the scenery, look out the window, see those things, have the occasional turn left, not because it's a distraction, but because there's this little thing that the Lord wants to deal with right now that is confronted as we take a little pause and have a rest on the road heading forward. Vision is looking to where we're headed. We know we're looking to heaven and we don't know everything about our future at all. Even the best of the prophets don't know everything that's going to happen in their future. But we have enough. The Lord gives us enough to be able to move forward. One of my favourite passages of, of scriptures in the Psalms talks about how his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's powerful. There's enough light for the darkest of moments when you've got no clue what the decision is so you can just make a step but as you start to take one step towards him as you respond to his word and, and his heart the path starts to light up and you start to get greater vision that keeps you from distractions, that keeps you from danger and keeps you on track so that you fulfill your purpose. Hebrews 11 1 starts off with now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word hope, is an, is, it's an expectation, an anticipation with pleasure. It's a faith and a belief within itself. We can have that hope in him because we know he is faithful. We know that whatever we need is in him. So we're on a trip, and again, exposing some of my weaknesses. Have you ever been, like, really tired when you're driving and you're in an area where you're not particularly familiar anyway and all of a sudden you get somewhere and it's like, oh, Lord, where am I? I don't recognise anything. I can't recognise the landmarks. I don't know where I am. So how are we going to get to our destination when we're not recognising where we're at? We've got to stop. The first thing we've got to do is stop. Be still and know that I am God. Stop. Look to God. It's like, instead of like, Shook with its head chopped off, having a panic, because I don't know where I am and I don't know how to get to where I need to be going. It's like, stop. Settle. Be still. Still our heart. Lord, what are you saying? There's a story in the Old Testament, because everything pertaining to life today is always in here. In Genesis 28, there's a the story of Jacob. He was a wicked boy. He even ripped off his own family. He dishonoured his father. He stole his brother's birthright. He was in fear of his life because he'd ripped off his brother so badly. And his father sends him to find a wife. He says, I don't want you marrying one of these pagans. I want you to marry somebody from within our own tribe. So I want you to go here. And he goes to send him off. And he actually did as he's told. He actually went. Because he was terrified of his brother, his motives weren't right at the time. So even when we fall and even when we fail, there's a way out in God because he's always faithful. So Jacob's on this trip. And he has this little rest stop. Just this moment to be still. Still. And in that place, he has a confrontation with the Lord, and he, in that confrontation, he discovers a little bit more about himself. He discovers a lot more about the Lord. And as he's watching the angels ascending and descending the ladder, he realises that this world is a lot bigger than he ever thought it was, and this journey wasn't just about him and a wife. Because at that place... God gave him a promise that spoke of generations. And so for him to walk this journey right was going to mean implications for a nation. One crook starting on the path to righteousness. Doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done. Doesn't even matter about where we're at now. What matters is God has a purpose for our life. And any time we can stop, be still, recognise that this is much bigger than me and start to move forward with the knowledge that God has a plan. So he starts to look. We stop, look and listen, like little kids are taught on the side of the road. We stop, look and listen. Now at look, where is my heart? We don't need to look out at the scenery out there. We need to recognise what's going on in the scenery in here. We've stopped. We've been still. We're acknowledging God's presence and plan. And so now we're looking at our heart and it's time for a raw, real re-evaluation of who we think we are. Because so often we have the tendency to judge ourselves according to the desires of our heart rather than our actions. But unfortunately, sometimes we can judge others by their actions. What's going on in my heart? Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. If we don't deal with those wrong heart attitudes. They start to build within us and they start to change who we are. But God has a better way. Luke 6.45 says, A good man out of the good treasure in his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So when you're under pressure and you're having a bad day, When you're super tired to the point where you can hardly think, what's coming out of your mouth? It can be a little gracious warning from the Lord that there's a little issue that needs a tweak. As part of the process of the transforming of our heart, the scriptures talk about us moving from glory to glory, that the way of the righteous spirals upward. Rather than being ashamed of the ugly things that we still might harbour within our heart, we've got the honour and privilege of just bringing them before the Father in the privacy of our own space, yielding them to Him and stepping forward. Once we've looked at the inside, then the lenses we're looking out of are much more Heaven's lenses rather than ours. So often we can look at other people and other situations through a lens through our own wounds, hurts, disappointments and fears and we misjudge situations and people because we've had wrong heart attitudes. So this morning I'm just inviting us to just take the opportunity afresh to really look at that thing. Look let's look on the inside. And then listen. What is he saying? in the midst of our situations. Let's respond to his word. In Genesis 32, actually, if if I invite you during the week, just to have a bit of a look from Genesis 28 over the next few chapters and just have a look at Jacob's journey. In Genesis 32, at the beginning of the verse, it says, So Jacob's gone through this process where he's gone to find his wife, but in the process, he's been ripped off. And what he was entitled to was twisted and turned, so he ended up working like a slave for his wife's brother, or some say uncle, like like cousin brothers, you know, (laughs) Um, But it's, um, he worked for him for like 20 years instead of seven. And now the Lord has said enough of that. You've been awakened enough about justice and reaping what you sow. Now it's time for you to step into your inheritance. And so he's heading home because the Lord said it's time to go home to his, his promised land, and yet he's in fear of his brother because his brother's still there. So, he, you know, he's still got the guilt, he's still got the shame, he's still got the fear hovering around his life, but he's grown a lot and learnt a lot through the hard knocks he's had over this last 20 years. At the beginning of chapter 31 it reads, So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Again, he has a heavenly encounter. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of the place a name I can't pronounce. (laughs) But he gave it a name because the angels were there. So the name of the place meant double camp because it wasn't just a camp of people, there was also angels. The scriptures tell us that there are angels around our lives. They're messengers of God sent to support us, help protect us and enable us to do what we're called to do. So we've got Holy Spirit on the inside, the spirit of Almighty God living in our spirit. We've got angels around us that are servants of the king that he sent to be a support for little old us, pretty special, hey? And yet we can sort of go, oh, I never could. No, that's not true. When we start to realise that the heavenly realm is far more real than this realm, it's a bit like the Matrix movies for anybody that saw them. When I first saw, I mean, I don't watch secular movies at all anymore, but back in the day I did. When that first came out, and I and I watched those movies, I thought, "Oh my God, I could preach out of this movie for months." You know, I was like, "I just got so much revelation just watching this secular movie about what we think is not real being more real than what we think is the the real world." You know, it's amazing. Anyway, he'd grown in character. Jacob had, as well as wealth. And he recognised that heaven is involved in our lives. In verse 9, Jacob's a bit gobsmacked and he goes, Oh, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac. So he's establishing that he's aware that he's come through some generational process. The Lord who said to me, return to your country and to my family and I will deal well with you, he had a promise. I am not worthy at the least of all these mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant, for I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, as in walking stick kind of staff, shepherd's rod, and now I have become two companies. He was acknowledging to God that really he was pretty worthless and yet God on his case had brought this dimension of promise. But in the back of his head, he's thinking, but but Esau's waiting for me. And then he finds out that Esau's not only waiting for him, but Esau's heading towards him with two companies of soldiers, of, of men of 200 So there was 400 men coming towards Jacob as he's heading back to the promised land. Have you ever felt like you're up against it? Have you ever felt like, you know, the Lord's given you a promise, you know that this is is God's plan and yet you feel so much that the circumstances around you are indicating the total opposite? But Jacob is learning something and he's starting to confess with his mouth what God is saying. And as he's reminding God, he's not really reminding God because God never forgets. But there's something really powerful, powerful principle there for us that as we speak things out, the promises that God has given us, we hear them. So our brain is receiving it not just through our having read it, but as it hears it and it reinforces it with greater power. So the more we declare truth over our own lives and over our circumstances, the more we're empowered for victory. So we listen to ourselves as well as we listen to God. So what are you saying over your circumstances? I've been really challenged with that in recent times, I have to say. We can all go through stages whether we're not feeling well or whether we're tired, we've been through a hard season and you just sort of get a bit worn down and you're just not as mindful as what you're saying. But we're still on this journey. He's still on his journey and now he's starting to confess the promises of God over himself, starting to reinforce the positive because he's terrified of his brother. Later on, he had another rest, another rest spot on his journey. And in that spot, he actually met with God himself and he wrestled with God all night. What was the result of that? As the day starts to break, the Lord says to him, let go of me, it's the morning's coming. And he said, I will not let go of you until you bless me. There's a passion in that, folks. Do we really hold on to the promises of God with a tenacity like our very life depends on it? He's arguing with God. He's not only arguing with him verbally, he's been physically wrestling with him all night. And yet he dared to say that to God? God's not intimidated by us jumping up and down and going, (laughs) oi! He loves it when we're communicating the very essence of what's going on on the inside. He already knows it, but he wants us to identify just where we're at. And he wants us to share with him where we're at and to be reliant on him to clear the road, get the rocks off the road, and keep moving forward. Powerful stuff. Verse 28. Oh, go back a bit. Verse 26. The Lord says, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. Jacob means deceiver. And my personal thing is, because Hebrews are so big on names, he would have known what his name meant. And his life was a fulfilment of what his name meant. And at that point in time, I believe he just got such a, I'm a deceiver, I'm a usurper. The conviction that would have hit his heart. But God in his grace says to him, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Israel means prince with God. A prince is someone with authority, with somebody who rules and reigns, somebody that has a position, somebody who is blessed. For you have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. Folks, we're not failing God when we're having a struggle going through difficult seasons. We fail God when we walk away from him because we haven't wanted to press through with him. You can't get to the end of the journey if the the motor starts to overheat and it's like, well, that's it. We're not going anywhere. You do something about getting the radiator working again and keep moving, and it's the same with us. We deal with the stuff we need to deal with as the Lord brings it up and we move forward to fulfil it. There's so many things that, that come out of this journey of life. We don't need a map. We don't need a Google app. What we need is a desperate dependence on the Spirit of God. We need to learn to hear Him in all the nuances on how He speaks more than ever before and be confident in the fact that He is faithful, He is just and that He has purpose for our lives. Are you feeling useless? It's a lie of the enemy. You're a king and a priest, a chosen people. We're seated in heavenly places with him. We rule and reign. We're above every principality and power. The demonic only has power in our lives when we give them permission. The only power the enemy ever, ever has had is that that people have given him. We need to know who we are like never before. We had 10 years of of just a real building and restoration in the church of, of identity and an establishing that we're sons of the king. We're no longer filthy, rotten sinners saved by grace. We we were filthy, rotten sinners. We were saved by grace, and now we're the righteousness of God. There are moments when we sin, but that doesn't make us a sinner. We're a new man, a new creation, created in the image of God with the authority released from heaven to be able to impart life and hope and freedom to a dying world. We've got to believe who we are so that we can see that take place. Each one of us has a place and a purpose. Not everybody's meant for the pulpit, but there's a lot of people out there that have a lot more power than the ones in the pulpit and a lot more influence. There were two little women in the back of the Hebrides a couple of hundred years ago. I forget how many hundred, a couple of hundred. Two women. Two two little old women that just sat together and prayed and prayed and prayed. They just responded to God with what the Lord wanted them to pray about and it broke out an amazing revival time and again. It's the unseen members of the body that are the ones that have the greatest influence and the greatest power. Folks, we all have a place And I just really want to declare over you today that we are in a position, we are being invited today to wake up, to stand up, and to take our place like never before. If Jacob had just not gone back to the promised land because of the fear of Esau, the nation of Israel would not be here. Speaking of the nation of Israel, very briefly, because I don't know how long I've been Talking for, but I'm just mindful of Joseph, another story in the Old Testament. He, sta- he started as beloved son to hated brother, to slave, to ruler in his master's house, to prisoner, to prime minister of a nation, to the saviour of nations because of the position and power he held. As a 17-year-old feral brat, he was a bit full of himself because, you know, he had these dreams from God and that makes me really special. <laughs> and, 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 and he shared his, the dreams with his family in a very unwise way because he was immature. But one day those dreams were fulfilled. But all the way through, every hard place that Joseph went through, He made the best out of the situation he was in. He never let go of his relationship with God. In the prison, he became in charge of all of the prisoners, for goodness sake, because he was such a good guy. You know, like everywhere he went, he rose to the top. It's like ping pong ball in water. It's like... He just ended up in a place of influence everywhere he was because he was the man of God, even in his darkest hours. Joshua and Caleb... Out of over a million people, some say over two million. I mean, we don't know. All of those that, with the Exodus that came out of Israel, out of Egypt, sorry, and back to Israel, only two members out of at least over a million people made the full journey. And why was that? Because they thought like heaven. They stopped thinking like the rest of the world. We're not called to think like the world. You know, we've had times of drought and fires and all of this stuff and, you know, they blame their global warming and don't get me started on that, and all of this stuff, right? But what's God saying in the midst? We need to be the ones that are speaking life. Like I said before, we had 10 years of this establishing identity. In the Hebrew calendar, we went through the 5770s was a time of seeing. I can't remember what the word is for for 70, but their words and numbers have meaning. And so there was this 10 years of seeing, and then in September, this last year gone, um, we had the beginning of this 10 years of pay, the mouth. And God's challenge to us is to awaken to the days we're in and recognise that the influence of the mouth is more powerful than we've ever known in our whole existence. We need to speak according to heaven and not according to the world. We don't agree with the news reports. We see them and we pray according to what the Father says. Jesus said, I never say anything unless I hear my Father say it. I only do what I see my Father do. We need to embrace that. This is more real Than the news. Actually, a lot of the news is so biased and so untrue, it's poisonous. Worship and prayer is the very core of what keeps us sustained all the way through the journey. Worship keeps us focused on Him, prayer builds our relationship with Him. And so, as we continue on, I wrote, quote, Worship keeps us in his presence. Prayer builds relationship. It is there we are strengthened and able to do all he asks. Scripture promises it. I've had this little loop tape. On radio they have loop tapes for their ads and they just go around. In his presence is fullness of joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In his presence is fullness of joy. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What are all things? They're the things that he asks me to do. It's not I can just go and do whatever I want and I'm going to do it. It's when he says to do something, we can do it. Romans 10.10 says, With the heart one believes under righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. I just got this little revvy about this verse the other day, considering we're in the decade of pay, the mouth. With the heart one believes under righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We confess... We become, we agree with heaven, and the earthly falls away. Proverbs 18 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Again, out of the mouth the heart speaks. The issues of life come out of the heart. Another Sue quote See it on the inside, say it to hear it, then walk it out. See it on the inside, say it to hear it, and then walk it out. Be a part of the answer. We've got the privilege to be the part of the answer in this region. As we walk with the Spirit always, we will see great breakthrough. There's so many scriptures that talk about us walking in the spirit. We can get caught up. We can get so caught up with the distractions of life and the experiences that try and rob us. God's in charge. He's in charge on this journey, on this trip of a lifetime. He's in charge of the sights and the destination. We're in charge of keeping focused on walking with him on that journey. That's it. It's that simple. really is. We just need to go, yes, Lord. Hebrews 13 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Four times in scripture we're told that he will never leave us or forsake us. It's a promise that really gets into our flesh, that gets into the reality of this world four times. Are we there yet? No. Are we, um, do we know where, Like, how we're going to get there? No. No. I've got this painting that is probably in a really bad spot to have it. It was a prophetic painting painted um, after a really hard season. So if you see it up close, all of this is actually textured. You can sort of feel a bit of the roughness of it. And um, It was done in worship, so the worship was cranking, nobody was around. And it was a time of just thanking the Lord and going, where are we going from here? Where are we going from here? Oh, God, I'm going back to that place. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Yes, I forgot. So, you know, there's all the stuff that's gone on in our lives, but he is the light. And there comes this point in each of our lives where he challenges us to actually jump off the cliff. We don't know how far we can fall, but his word says that his everlasting arms are there, that he holds us in the palm of his hand. So if we believe that, we can just leap. And from that place of leaping, we just head into the light. This journey that the Lord has called us on is a place of breakthrough and freedom for our individual lives and it brings healing to our souls. One of the scriptures that's been burning in me for a few years now is 3 John 2. Beloved, I would, I pray that you would be in health and prosper in all your ways just as your soul prospers. Our heart health is a priority. And in in this decade of the mouth, moving into the greatest revival that has ever hit the planet, we've got a responsibility to the king to keep short account, to deal with our hearts and walk forth in the freedom that his joy brings to see breakthrough. So can we just stand, please? Father, we just thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you that you are so amazing that regardless of the frailty and weakness of our our humanity, you transform us into creatures that truly are created in your image, that we carry the spirit of God within us and that we are capable of anything. So, Father, this morning, we've stopped. We're still before you. And we're looking into our hearts right now. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of taking us on this journey of a lifetime. No need for a map. No need for a Google Maps app. We've got Holy Spirit in us, on us, and around us, leading us forward. And this bus is expandable. And as we move forward on this journey, Lord, we just invite people in to come on the journey with us the most powerful, most wonderful, most exciting time of our lives. Lord, we lean forward and we agree with the word of God that we will see signs, wonders and miracles, that we will see many saved, that we will see those that are are bound free, those that are blind seeing, those that are deaf hearing, that the sick will be healed that the lame will walk, not just in the natural, Lord, but in every dimension. Lord, just have your way in our hearts. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for this journey of a lifetime. Help us to be focused on you. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au.